Hello and welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. We're now in season three of the 100 Masked Men series, where I anonymously interview different men from all around the world in an open conversation to learn more about what it's like to be a man in the modern world today. This week, I caught up with some beautiful souls from the 10-day silent retreat I went on here in Mazunte, this tiny little town on the coast of Oaxaca, Mexico. And from this experience, there was a resounding desire to talk about self-love and reflect on sex, dating, and relationships. Masked man number 58 is the non-sexual man. What are the chances that I would find another Toronto boy? He was my little slice of home, my twin, my mirror. We were instant BFFs as soon as we broke out of silence. In this episode, he shares his spiritual journey and we reflect on how we were both using sex and dating to fill in the void of self-love. We talk about the choice to be non-sexual and the power in that ownership of ourselves, of choosing to love ourselves first, and how that love then extends to others. This is such a beautiful conversation. I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, so we both went on the 10-day Herodaya silent meditation retreat. And I just learned, honestly, I didn't check out the itinerary at all. <laughs> and I realized like, okay, what is the journey of uh, self-inquiry? And um, I guess Herodaya is about opening up the heart, whereas there's other practices that have different messaging, right? So I know we've been talking a lot about self-love. So what was your experience like doing the retreat? What kind of emotions came out in the vein of opening your heart and self-love? Wow. So uh, for myself, this journey into self-love has been something that is ongoing. So it's been really an active exploration for the past three years. So as we had discussed before, I suffered a pretty traumatic head injury a few years ago, which was, I think, the sort of awakening into this exploration of, well, self-love, as I found out. Um, and so, you know, I found that Western medicine wasn't really helping me. And so instead, I dove into yoga more as a modality for healing and working with medicines. And um, part of that involved going onto a dieta for a part of time, which involved also the giving up of dating and sex and relationships while in this container of a place of healing. And cutting out those distractions for me was a huge revelation because I begun to realize how for most of my adult life I was using dating and sex and uh, relationships as, as external validation. I saw how these things came, became for me almost like an emotional bandage that I was using to cover up this huge hole inside of myself. And that hole was an invitation to dive into self-love. So by eliminating the noise... I started to hear this little voice inside that was like, hi, I'm here. And after a while of nurturing and nurturing, got stronger and stronger until eventually I slammed into a place of self-love. I experienced self-love for the first time, like in every cell of my body, in a very powerful, profound, tangible way. And it changed my whole life. It was like, I feel like tapping into that true heart awareness, into that place of authenticity and that place of love opened up then the channels into 
so many other lessons that we're waiting, like connecting to guides, connecting to, you know, a higher level of awareness and consciousness. And they're also tied in together. And so, yeah, like it was a very, very, uh, it was very profound. It was very, very powerful to tap into not just this idea of I need to care for myself more, but to like actually embody that, that innate consciousness that is the love of the self, which then can't help but exude itself then outwardsly because, you know, our external is a mirror of our internal. So when you tap into that love within, you tap into that love without. And um, it was, yeah, it was very, very powerful. So I was going to tell you the story <laughs> about this um, this guy the other day. He is this beautiful, beautiful, um, extremely hot French uh, speaking Belgian man and he came over to me and he was like hey do you speak English and I was like yeah I do and he was like would you like to go for breakfast and I said yeah I do and um, we we ended up walking a little bit we stopped um, in a little spot and we sat down and I was just checking everything like how I was feeling I was like oh this is cool I'm gonna lean into it and then I was like wait nothing's happening here. I'm not feeling this energy. You can't just lean into everything. You can't take everything as like, as openly as you need to. And then I was thinking like, normal me would just go for it. You know, I'd, I'd count the seconds before one of us would jump on the other person. And then I was like, what am I doing? This isn't the way to go because I want more connection. I, these are the things I care about. It's not just, you know, the surface value. And um, as we kept going, you know, I, I started to realize that this person wants me to validate him, you know, and, and he's he's sitting there waiting like, OK, how much longer do I have to sit here looking pretty until she finally jumps on me? You know, like he's waiting for me. So there's there's two learnings here, right? Just learnings on like maybe I'm his lesson, you know, to kind of check himself. And also for me to realize, like, I got to finally um, go from the mind, all the things that we've observed about our minds and our egos and learned over the last 10 days to now put it into practice and realize like, oh, here's the test. <laughs> Did you learn yet? Um, and are you going to choose the healthier options? So what are your takes on any kind of similar relationships like that? Because I know you did some tantric work as well and are just like getting a little bit more tuned to your sexuality or non-sexuality. Wow, yeah, that resonates really strongly. So I think that there's so much conditioning in our society today around these ideas of expectation and the way in which we relate to sexuality and sex and relationships and dating like it's become so gratuitous with the apps and everything which is a whole other story and yeah really like everything you said just just strikes so close to home because for me you know yes i went on a dieta where i um i consciously chose to cut out the noise and tap into self-love. And it was, it was, um, it was a decision that was made while I was working with, you know, um, plant medicines, you know, to heal. And for all intents and purposes, after that journey was over, my dieta was technically complete. And so my ego came in and did this very sneaky thing. So, you know, I'd come from the situation where I had been using dating and sex and relationships as external validation, as this cover-up for self-love. Um, I then had this massive just, boom, awakening. And then I start to focus on healing and self-love. And, you know, the way my ego sees it is like, oh, yes, this first lesson is self-love. 
oh, wow, okay, wow, we were doing that with dating and sex. And, and now we've tapped into self-love and we're feeling it. And tapping into that now has allowed us to go so much further. We're tapping into these bigger lessons and these, and these, and these expanded experiences of, con- of, 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 of consciousness and reality. And so very sneakily, my ego comes in and says, okay, so let's just, you know, the, the dieta is over, but let's, let's just, let's just, stay on that part of the dieta because we're going to keep going on this self-love journey and, 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 and we're not ready for that other part. So let's just keep that, you know, sealed away in a little box. I love my boxes. I'm sure, you know, you can relate. And, um, let's focus on the spirituality and the self-love and the lessons. And I did. And, um, over the next kind of months, I continued all this beautiful work on myself while very almost at a subconscious level, actively denying, you know, anything to do with those things that I thought I was not ready for. And I understand where my ego was coming from. Like I'd moved from a place of excess into a place of fear. Like your ego tries to self-protect. So it was like back in the day, this is what was blocking you from everything. So now let's not fall back into old patterns. I was in Sedona last year doing a Kundalini yoga teacher training where the message began to come through, you know, don't move out of a place of sort of like imbalance into a place of fear, right? So why was I not allowing myself to be open to these lessons? Why was I actively blocking? So it came through, but, you know, again, I really kind of put it on the side. And it wasn't until I came into Mazunte, which, as you know, you've been here now for some time. This place is extremely heart open. It's, it's really, I feel like it's so connected to the earth, but it's so connected to a place of love. And I begun to see, I begun to witness, I begun to experience feelings of what my lessons here were going to be. And they were like, soften, open, receive, you know, soften, open, receive. And you know, I decided to come here a month early to see a friend before she went to Sedona. But again, then the universe often has its own beautiful, beautiful intentions and objectives. And um, I ended up actually, before going to do this yoga training, I went to a five-day tantra workshop in Zipolite, which is, you know, a town five minutes outside of Mazunte, which blew my mind. You know, tantric philosophy is so powerful. And it's this idea of the flow of energy, the divine masculine, the divine feminine, the interconnectedness between all of these. You know, the idea of moving into a place where you can de-internalize the conditioning and the emotions that our society is placed on things like masculinity, femininity, sexuality, sexual identity, and then take that invitation to go inside to the energies of your own body. And doing that really cemented to me like, yes, you know, it's time to let go. I realized that my ego had just created a block and it created a box where I wasn't allowing for an energetic flow. So I left that retreat and I was like, I am ready and open to receive and I deserve any and all forms of love. You know, I just opened that box and I'm like, this is it. And it's so poignant because I would have gone into the yoga retreat and I would have excelled it. I've done, you know, teacher trainings and yoga retreats before. And I would have checked all the boxes, but I would have very sneakily, the things that didn't resonate or the things that I thought I wasn't ready for, I would have just been like, okay, no, we're not going to even deal with that. We're just going to put that away. I'm like, no, we're going in and we're going to and do this. And it's open and we are open. 
So I go into this yoga retreat and it was very intense and it was very beautiful, a lot of learning, a lot of lessons. And it was like, yes, I'm softening. I'm opening. I'm really opening. I'm trying to receive. But on the other hand, I was like, what am I opening to? What am I opening to? What am I receiving? Because I'm not really looking for anything. I'm not really grasping anything. So why, what is it that I'm softening to? What is it that I'm opening to? What is it that I'm receiving? And we did a lecture on the concept of brahmacharya, which in tantric philosophy is this idea of... So tantric philosophy doesn't focus on renunciation. So it would be the closest way I can describe it is like this, this idea of celibacy. celibacy. So not denying yourself of like a partner or a relationship or sexual activity, but being very conscious and aware of how you go into these types of things and um, the role in which this sexual energy, this sexual identity plays in your, plays in your experience of consciousness. I was so enthralled by this conversation, this lecture. And after the lecture, I sat with our teacher and asked him, I told him about the past years, everything I'd been going through, this dieta that was really important while I was on the medicine, but then my ego's decision to stay on this dieta for like two years after it was over. And now this, this invitation to soften, open, receive. But I told him, I'm like, I don't know what I'm opening to receive. I don't know. Because on the one hand, I'm really actively trying, but on the other hand, I'm not looking at anything. And he said something to me that really resounded so strongly within my core. And he said, it's not about what you're grasping for externally. It's about looking inside and coming to this understanding that you're just no longer going to deny yourself anything. You're going to open to yourself. And that just really stayed to myself. It's like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going inside and I'm not denying anything. I'm not denying myself. It doesn't mean I, I'm, I'm, I'm out there grasping. Like, I mean, my ego is putting that together. So if I'm open receive, obviously the next thing is going to happen is I'm going to have like a million partners and this and this. And I'm like, but is that what I'm really even looking for? But I'm like, it's not about the outside. It's about the inside. And I just thought about it and I thought about it and I contemplated it. And it was a few days later we were meditating and it just hit me. Like it hit me. I just, I got it. I felt it in my heart. I'm like, yes, you know what? I release, I release, I get it. I release all of that and I'm open to receiving. And I didn't think it in my mind. I felt it in my heart. I opened to receiving. And instantaneously in that moment, I felt this massive transmutation of energy, like in my body, in my mind, in my soul, this movement of energy upwards. And what I felt, the minute I opened to receive, I released. But what did I release? I released those egoic holds that were inside my body, inside my mind, that revolved around the idea of sexuality and relationships, dating, that entire side of myself. And how did those manifest? As feelings of jealousy, feelings of unworthiness, feelings of feelings of clinginess, feelings of competition, feelings of envy. Because yes, I was on this path, but then it was because I was scared. So I'd be seeing people that were free and open. I'd be like, fuck, maybe I want that. And just opening to it in my heart, not denying myself of it, I felt those melting away. It just was like this sigh, like, like, wow. I tried so hard all my life not to have these sensations because I was aware of how limiting they were. But at the same time, you still felt them. 
And it's just, I had to open to what I thought was an idea of opening to love, but it was really opening to self-love. Had spent all this time being on this journey, preventing myself from this because I was trying to focus on self-love, not realizing that by doing that, I was preventing myself from really embodying self-love out of fear. And the next thing that happened blew not just my mind, but my ego's mind because it was not what was expected by any means. It's energy coming through and I just felt it. I felt it in my heart. It came through in a very dramatic fashion. I don't think this is a literal thing. Like, you know, heart messages are very to the point, but I was like, oh, I may never need to have sex again in my life. That was just the message. I just, I'm not saying it literally, but what it then transcended to was I tried to have conversations explaining this to people in the module that were friends and I couldn't really get the words, but then I was meditating again and I felt like this message coming through from my heart, from my, from my, from my, from my brain. It's like at this point, so just at this point in my journey right now, in my experience of consciousness in the work that I'm doing, I'm a non-sexual being. And it was so crazy because I fell into this place of peace. And I'm like, holy shit. I just opened to receiving the very thing that I thought I was letting go of to find that when I released it, I released holding on to it as a strategy in my mind and I embodied it as a philosophy from my heart, but it was the same thing and it made so much sense. And I just no longer felt like I was giving anything up or letting anything go. I felt like my mind and my heart just connected and understood for the same time. And I felt this sense of peace and alignment, but it's like, I wasn't working at it and I wasn't scared and I wasn't, I was just like, it's a flow and I'm open and I may walk into someone tomorrow and all this would change. But at this point in my journey right now, I'm a sexual being. So not as a strategy, but as an experience of consciousness I embodied brahmacharya and it just blew my mind. It was so beautiful. You know, as you were saying that, what was so crazy for me is I was thinking about sexuality and, and sex. And it's like, you know, when they say with um, sex, it's an exchange of energies, which means it's a transaction and how transactional sex can be based on whether or not it's an ego thing or whatever you think you need, it's actually always been yours. And here you are kind of giving it away, you know, and, and who deserves what, you know, like who are you giving it to? How much of it are you giving it to? And then once you kind of release and then you're like, Oh my God, I am my own love. So technically I don't need to ever trade, no, trade these energies again. Right. I remember, you know, <laughs> back before I had had these experiences and these lessons, like I was always kind of on the one hand, like, Oh gosh, I'm such a victim. Like all these energy vampires and they're trying to suck everything out of me. And Oh my God. And then I realized like, I'm like, dude, stop it. Like you're just as much as 
of an energy vampire as they are. You're going to them because you feel like you need something out of their energy to be that band-aid for you. And they're coming at you doing the same thing. So don't make yourself be the victim. It's, it's, it's an exchange for sure. It's an exchange of energy. It's this play of energy. And that's it just ties into deeper problems where in our society we're never raised being taught that we're energetic beings like we are energetic beings we have energetic fields and so that's a whole other conversation but it's like sometimes to tap into that you have to go into that place of stillness like you have to go within because our egos just become so used to looking outside and it's like you can't even blame the ego the ego is always trying to protect you and sometimes it's easier to just especially in our society look outwards oh here let me grasp at this to fix it because it's sometimes really hard to go within it's really scary to go within it's like what am i going to find like why is this wound there you know am i going to tap into it and tap into a whole other bunch of stuff well the answer is uh yeah you are but you know what it's like when you're ready to do it it's it's so worth it it's just it's love it's not attached it's from the heart it's like i embody this love i don't create something out of this experience because i need it to fix anything in me it just is and it's so beautiful it's love pure love yeah you know that's such an interesting way to describe love because I don't know if it's popular culture or just like the misunderstandings of poetry or whatever, but like love was always like, I got to prove my love or I got to show my love or like, this is the way to receive love. And it's funny because we do have those, those words spoken to, but now after that retreat and receiving it differently, you're like, love has always been there. You just have to have the awareness to know it's been there. It's, it's all about what you focus on, right? So if you think that like, oh, these things are going to add up to love. This person contacts me every day. This person does this. This person does these gestures. It made me rethink everything about love languages. Like are acts of service more of an egotistical, you know, showing of I'm doing something to show you my love. You need to receive it in this way. How come you're not receiving it? Thus, I don't get love. Right. And I think one of the biggest things I learned was um, when our guide said, if you only receive love when you deserve it, there wouldn't be enough love to go around. Right. Because the whole point of loving is that it's just giving. There isn't one to receive another. And we've been so outcome based in our training to think that way. Like you said, it's going to it's going to fix everything. It's going to make everything better. And like it's so funny. Most of the guys that I speak to, they're always like, especially hetero guys, if they're like, if I just get a girl, then my life will be complete. You know what I mean? And why? Why is that version of love? And it's so funny because they externalize it into a person. But like we've, we're always seeking something that's literally like already within us. So how would you advise people or like, you know, get them to redefine what self-love means? Wow. It's a beautiful question. I think first and foremost, something that comes through that is so important for self-love for for anything is this this idea of reconnecting to gentleness be gentle on yourself be soft on yourself we're often extremely difficult on ourselves and another thing is a lot of us have learned not to allow ourselves to receive for whatever reason we can't receive we'll give we'll give and we'll we'll take but we won't receive so like become vulnerable and open to receiving. I had a guru um, in Sedona who was speaking about this idea of love. It was towards other people, but 
a non-egoic, true, unconditional love, really all that means is creating a container within your heart that gives space to this other being, despite their flaws, despite their journey, because we're all here as beings to go through our journeys and to go through our lessons. And if you can just create a container, just a container to allow for that to happen, that space without any expectations, without any anything but that space, that's true love. And I began to realize, like, why can't we also do that for ourselves? Why can't we do that for ourselves? Why can't we create a container for ourselves to give ourselves the space to go through our lessons, but then witness them? Because then that's obviously going to propel itself outwards. And I mean, I'm not necessarily saying that everyone needs to embody brahmacharya. Like, that's definitely not a path for everyone or anyone or whatever. But I do think that we all owe it to ourselves, especially in our society today where everything is so busy and noisy to sit down and say, if we are having these feelings, if we are having experiences in our life where we're facing these recurring patterns, you know, where we're not getting this balance, we're not getting the satisfaction, maybe sit down and say, am I allowing space and stillness and quietness to listen to that voice that's coming from my heart? Like, have I become so attuned to the louder, more experiential, more gratuitous stimuli outside of myself that are so much easier to wrap myself into that I'm not hearing that cry from within myself. And it might even just be something as simple as sitting down and meditating on this for like half an hour and then maybe deciding, you know, for one week, I'm going to take all that energy that I put into the apps and I put into the chasing and I put into the whatever this could be with this could be with sex it could be with food it could be with it could be with anything I'm just going to give that back to me even just for one week I'm gonna cut out all the noise to allow myself to hear that whisper in me because based on my experience it starts out as a whisper but eventually it like becomes so loud that it is the sound of like a billion waterfalls and it grows up like a tiny sprout into like a rainforest that will come outwards. It will envelop you in so much protection and so much love that it's like, you know, you are held. Not only can you love yourself, but then you can project that outwards and love any mirror of anyone who's outside of you. So just give yourself that little bit of a space to tap into your heart and to tap into that divine consciousness and just see what the universe has to unfold because at the end of the day, we're all love. We just have to open to it, receive it with gratitude and love. It is now the age of Aquarius, you were telling me, and that is a feminine feminine energy and that most ancient times were in the feminine energy and we've been in the masculine energy for a long time. And, you know, you talking about self-love involves that decision, that choice to move into vulnerability but we've been fixated on the idea that we have to use power, force, aggression, you know, fight, all of these kind of more masculine traits to prove strength and resilience and, you know, be champions, warriors, all these kind of, you know, things. Now to move into vulnerability, that must be really difficult for people to accept because that must be thought as weak as, you know, why would you choose that? Why would you give away um, your power? So how, how has that journey been for you as a man, kind of moving into vulnerability, choosing that? Because 
you know, even in yoga practices, even in anything, there's always that um, very easy way to, to move into masculine power and strength. Yeah, definitely. I think that for the past 26,000 years, we've been in the age of Pisces, very masculine energy, which was that's why you see like the rise of corporations and big banking systems and, you know, things like this, which are very much tied to this egoic identity of like the sense of self and like the sense of protection. And um, yeah, so, you know, just recently we have moved into the age of Aquarius, which the age of Aquarius in astrology symbolizes really shifts the focus towards these ideas of truth, transparency, family connections. And yes, it's, it's a feminine energy and not only just sort of based on the Zodiac, but a lot of ancient traditions, the Mayans, the Mexicans, even in Sanskrit Buddhism, it's this idea, this, this embodiment that um, we're moving into sort of the divine feminine again. And I mean, I'm thrilled, but you talked about this idea of vulnerability. Vulnerability is authenticity. So our language is so important. Like, you know, our society and the way our language has evolved, it's like we equate the word vulnerability with weakness. So necessarily, if you're being vulnerable, you're being weak. But I found in my own journey and a lot of like teachings you read about it, vulnerability is actually the key to strength. We don't realize that to be vulnerable, it takes an incredible amount of strength to allow yourself to be vulnerable, to allow yourself to trust, right? So, you know, are you strong enough to allow yourself to be vulnerable? Sometimes it's so easy to lash outwards, to close yourself off and to have all these ideas. Can you look inside your heart and can you, can you face yourself? Can you look at yourself and be like, yes, I'm vulnerable? How much strength does it take to be like, I'm not okay and I'm not perfect and I'm not right and I want to change? Vulnerability is the key to strength. And again, giving yourself space, allowing yourself to be gentle with yourself and to just experience these moments from a place that's authentic, to understand that you are willing and able to receive is very powerful. And to bring it up to a different perspective, like the energetic now of our planet is different and it will resonate with these ideas of you know, we talk about masculine, feminine. You can't really be embodying your masculine if you cannot embody your feminine, right? So it's like these are divine energies and they just point to flow. So to be truly masculine, you also have to be truly feminine. To be truly feminine, you have to be truly masculine. You know, to be vulnerable, you have to be strong, but it's like, yes, we're moving away from where it's about the external. It's about the image. It's about all of this. Like the planet now, the energy on our planet now is going to resonate strongly with a frequency of an individual who has the strength and the love for themselves to be like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to go within. Like you will be held as you go on this journey, which is beautiful. I love um, the description of uh, the courage that it takes to be vulnerable. How have you had an example of, of you practicing the courage in being vulnerable that you can share with us today? It could be the story of you finding someone that you might um, resonate with and you need to have a discussion on sexuality or it could be a reflection of something that happened in the past for you. Whatever that kind of comes to mind in terms of that one moment that you're like, okay, 
I'm going to courageously go into vulnerability. I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to be honest. And um, I'm going to be so brave. And I'm going to recognize that and give myself all of this love um, for that decision. Gosh, I can think of actually (laughs) two examples, like one of them very recent and one of them sort of like three years ago or two years ago after my concussion. So I think, yeah, I mean, I could briefly share both if you like. Okay, so um, I worked with ayahuasca after I had this accident, um, which basically sort of was like a huge awakening for me. And uh, when you work with plant medicines, a big part of the healing is the integration. So it's like when you come back home into your life, how do you integrate these experiences? How do you integrate these teachings? And for me, it was a year long. And I remember coming back, I I got my first universe lesson. I've had many, many, many since then. And this lesson was not surprisingly tied into sexuality and sex and a being like, you know, a man that (laughs) I had been speaking to for a while who was very attractive, who basically was thinking about coming to Toronto um, to visit. And um, I was in Africa at the time with family and was on my way back to Toronto. And I knew that there was a lesson coming through from here because I just felt it. And just the way in which we started you know, reconnecting after some time and talking. And basically this individual says to me, he's planning to be in Toronto and it would be great to hang out. And so it's like, yeah, I'm flying back there in a week. Let's meet. And that's all well and good. And it's actually funny, like talking about it now, I just almost, (laughs) it's amazing how much of an issue it was. But um, so about a few days before I was going to go back, I noticed through sort of social media that this being was in Toronto and hadn't told me no big deal, right? Yeah, tell my ego. Like, I was flipping out. I was annoyed. I was hurt. I was angry. I was like, oh, dare he? Like, you know, and and I think, I again, I think back on it now, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Gosh, you poor, poor soul. Like, you know? <laughs> Anyways, long story short, we kind of talked um, and uh, agreed that we would meet when I came back to Toronto. I was flying back through Europe. I was in Amsterdam, and I was on a layover, and had deleted all my social media because it was something that I told myself I would do as part of my integration before I got back to Toronto to really put myself into a position where I was going to be going through deep healing, like, you know, basically walking the talk and not just talking the talk, right? So I kept one account that I used mainly and everything else I deleted, all the apps, all the group chats, Facebook, everything. So on the one remaining One that I had, which was Instagram, I got a message where this individual was like, oh, you know, just so 3D, like, oh, did you block me? No, I deleted my account. It has nothing to do with you. It's my journey. And basically, I I told this person to call me. He couldn't call me because his friend was sleeping next to him, which annoyed me to no end. It's, you know, whatever. I agreed at that moment, like when we didn't talk, I was like, I'm not going to... I'm not going to see this person. Like, I haven't been going through all of this work to put myself back into a situation like this. It's like, I'm worth more of that. And and that doesn't sound like much, but it's the first time I started to have these conversations where on the one side, I was seeing the ego and how the ego would react to things and how the ego would have these emotions. But this higher self started to come through, which I think was the beginning of self-love. Seeing that 
and then beginning to recognize, is this you? Like, is this you or is this conditioning and layers and ego and self-protection that isn't really self-protection? I got back to Toronto and I got this message. This person is going to message you like right before they leave to go back home. And I was like, okay. So I dived into my Toronto life and sure enough, like a couple of hours before they were going to be leaving, I got this text. Oh, I've got a few hours, you know, let's meet up. But I just got this sense from that other quieter, calmer, more connected voice being like, I'm not here to be the tail end of someone's party trip. But it's like, whereas before my ego would have been like, oh, well, no, like you, it's like, he didn't do anything wrong. He came to have a good time. He had a good time. He did what he did and so much love for him. And that's just not where I was. So I told him I was busy at which point I had a little taste of his ego. Cause he was like, what? No. And I just was like, listen, sending you all the love and just safe travels home. My friend, such a sense of relief. And now to take it into a little bit of a shift, the moment that happened, ayahuasca was in my brain. And I think to myself, how many lifetimes have I been through where maybe I wasn't ready to take that step? And I did go see this being. And it's not like it was wrong. It's a beautiful option. It's a beautiful journey. It's a beautiful lesson. But for whatever reason, this lifetime, I was ready. I took that step. The minute I had that lesson and I realized it was a lesson, everything else opened. I connected to my heart. I connected to my guides. I released ancestral energy through past life regressions. And then the last lesson was take a year off, do your yoga training, go see your family. It literally transformed my whole life. So I can see why ego was scared. But when I allowed myself to be vulnerable and trust, I, I, and it wasn't like I was being vulnerable and I was a victim. I was like, oh, I'm weak, I'm weak. It took so much strength to reconcile my ego in that moment. But that's the power of vulnerability in a way. And then in a more recent example... I met someone at the Tantra workshop and we had a strong connection and in a workshop, as you know, with the silent retreat, Brahmacharya is not an option. It's like a very strong recommendation. Like you do not, I mean, there's, it's like you're invited to do whatever you want to do, but it's like, if you don't follow that, then be aware that like your experience, you know, it's like you're making that choice. Long story short, we did have a strong connection. Um, very strong. A little bit of physical stuff happened, which, you know, and so I went into the uh, yoga retreat, and there was four days afterwards. And this being wants to come visit me now in 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 Mozante from Mexico City, and I was all for it. It was great. So the day before he comes is when I have this revelation: I am a non-sexual being in my journey right now. And I was like, oh shoot should I tell him? Is he going to have expectations? It was too late. He came. Again, he's a very sensitive soul, a really nice guy. He understands Tantra. He understands all of this, so it was fine. On the second night, we were going to Zipolite, which is a little town close to here, um, which, you know, it's a little bit more of a party vibe and stuff. And so we're in the hotel, and I think the universe was really coming through as well. So there was this situation where another person came in, and there was a little bit of an argument, and it caused friction. So we started having this conversation. And I remember thinking to myself, be open, be open and you owe it to this person to have a conversation. So I told him about what I was going through and this non-sexuality. And it was so beautiful because he was going through the same thing. He's like, the moment we shared, and mind you, we didn't sleep together because it was the Chantra retreat, but there was a connection. I can understand how there would have been expectation, but he was so open with me. He's like, 
I haven't had a physical contact, a, a connection with anyone in that way for two years. And I'm really working on this too, because I just don't know how to do that without drugs and alcohol. And I'm like looking at him, I'm like, we're mirrors to each other. But look at how the ego, not just the ego, look at how our society creates all these conditions and expectations that it's like, I almost told him, I'm like, I almost wish like we were like the other beings in this hotel who they're here and they just want to like fuck and have fun and drinks and amazing. But for some reason, the universe has put us here now and to have this conversation and to be here and there must be a reason for it. And so we just saw each other from a place of authenticity, from a place of vulnerability. And it's like, it's like, wow, it was, we just let it go. And we had the best rest of the couple of days from a place of authenticity, from a place of vulnerability, from a place of truth and love. But do you see how it took so much strength to get to that point? But it's like, we were there. We were, it's such a high frequency. It's like we were embodying love. We were embodying truth. It would have been easier to just fall into those expectations and be like, shit, no, no, no. But no, like, it's just like, be vulnerable, have this difficult conversation. And then again, in comes the universe and like propels you. You're so supported. And it's like, you have no idea how much validation there can be when you just fall into a place of love and truth and authenticity. But to fall into that, you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable and to trust. Yeah. That makes me think of, um, the hot Belgian man. <laughs> And, um, yeah, so the rest of that story is, um, I, we had, we had breakfast together. It was lovely. And then after we exchanged numbers, well, I didn't bring my phone. So I put my number in his phone and then I said, just message me later. Like maybe, maybe something might happen. I'm going to still process this. I haven't decided how I really feel about you yet. So I'm just going to sit in those feelings for a bit. And then I went about my day. I went to work in Mazuntai there isn't a lot of places to go for work. <laughs> so <laughs> he ended up seeing me obviously on the main road mm -hmm. and I was obviously in a video conference call and he just sat there he just waited for me mm. and then left and then came back and waited for me. And I was just like, this is getting really weird. Sure. So obviously eventually he, he fully left for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I messaged him and I was like, Hey, sorry, my bad. Like, I mean, why am I even saying sorry? But anyway, sorry. Um, I felt rude just like not being able to respond to him uh -huh. um, face to face. Uh -huh. So I said, hey, like, apologies for that part. But let's talk later, okay? And then he's like, yeah, so do you want to watch a movie tonight? And I thought, well, there's no like theaters here. So <laughs> obviously that means some kind of house situation. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And then I just started reading into like you just had like those expectations and like, you know, one if it's a suggestion like that, he probably thinks that that's just like how all interactions are sure. with that, uh, with, you know, mm -hmm. another woman or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever the situation is. And then I thought like, yeah, I'm not feeling this. So mm -hmm. I just told him nicely, like, yeah, I'm not in the mood for that. And he said, why? And I said, I'm just not feeling it. So mm -hmm. have a good night. I didn't want to give too many mm -hmm. reasons. Mm -hmm. And he responded by saying, you don't like me. Mm -hmm. And that was just, and that was the thing that I realized. I'm like, oh, okay, so this was the test. This was an mm. example to show that, like, you know, this uh, this has nothing to do with you a lot of the times, right? right? These are like huge projections, but it's also for you to then recognize and be like, okay, how do I detach myself? How do I recognize? Definitely. I, you know what? This is an example of me choosing to love myself because I would have been so disappointed with myself for going through with all those things, but I I sure. had that like icky feeling of like how do I reply mm -hmm. to him you know mm -hmm. 
Um, how do I send him this text message? And that took so much courage to sure. like not try to please him and yeah, be like, hey, absolutely. yeah, 100%, I'm gonna go see you right uh -huh, now, you know, and uh -huh, like uh -huh. respond in any kind of happy way like that. Yeah. So what would you say is like for you to gain that courage to, to message that guy and be like, hey, yeah, this isn't gonna happen, like choose me. What was that process like? So I think it really boils down, like I resonate with everything you're saying, it makes a lot of sense. and. Yes, a lot of times, you know, we are compassionate, empathic beings and we don't want to hurt other people's feelings. And then there's also like it, a little bit of conditioning comes into play because it's like, you know, it's, it's impolite to be rude to people. But fundamentally, at the end of the day, what it boils down to is like, what is this true idea of like, what is love? What is self-love? What is love for others? Vulnerability can also be the key to really claiming your sovereignty other beings, other individuals, they're on their own paths. You know, when you speak about this this beautiful man, clearly he also, I feel like I can see a lot of myself in him where he was needing validation and validation is the form of energy. He needed that, like, you know, maybe he, should, he could, I mean, have... <laughs> maybe you know just speaking theoretically like gone into this place of self-love and been like maybe this person is clearly busy like i'll watch a movie with myself and tap mm -hmm. into my self-love but with that's not as easy and that's that's breaking away from a pattern like ego doesn't like that like the ego doesn't want you to ever try to go in because the ego is so scared and it's like no let's just get the band-aid it's easier but it's so beautiful because by claiming your own sovereignty by not allowing that your boundaries be broken or transgressed, which is so important, right? You really maybe kind of also allowed for him an invitation to look inside as well. But I think that, yeah, it's like, you know, by maybe not doing that, you know, it's like you're not even really loving yourself, but nor are you loving the other person because love is authenticity, right? And vulnerability is strength. And strength is how you claim your sovereignty. But then it's almost like abundance because it's like you're honoring yourself, you're loving yourself, but you're also loving the other being by not being untruthful, by being authentic, by offering them an invitation or an opportunity to look within themselves, like planting a seed. And that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So it's like never, never feel that you can't honor yourself because you can and you can do it in a, such a way that it's filled with compassion and empathy and you see the other side of it with love but giving away your sovereignty to someone else isn't loving them or yourself so always love yourself but then always kind of see that lesson see see like that mirror where it's like i'm sure you could sort of like I'm sure you could have like at that point but like when you, you even said oh my gosh the old me would have totally done that that's the mirror I think it's funny because a lot of people just don't want to remove that um, pleasure aspect. Uh -huh. You know, they're just like, well, why would I deny myself of this? Or it has to be like an active decision of lack mm -hmm. of avoidance, you know, of like, mm -hmm. hey, I'm going to practice abstinence for this amount of time as like, again, a show of force determination mm -hmm. against some kind of masculine energy mm -hmm. to say, I did that. Versus if you said like, yeah, it's coming from a place of your self-love, like actually, no, this is a decision for me. Mm. Like you said, I'm neither nor connected to whatever the outcome is. You're just kind of non-sexual right now. But 
if that sexuality arises, you're going to be also open to it, Absolutely. right? It's just kind of that decision you made for yourself versus like... A strategy. The, uh, yeah, exactly. Strategy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, so when I was in this yoga training, there was this analogy um, from our guide, like... So, like, the yogi with the apple. So you're a yogi and you have this apple and it's, like, super juicy and you want to eat it and you're hungry. And you recognize that, yes, I want it. I want to eat it. But there's someone here who's also very hungry, maybe more hungry than me. So as much as I want to eat it, I want to give it to them, too, because I want them to eat it. And you give it to them. And while you recognize that there is an attachment there to the apple, there's something stronger that transcends it. And it's, like, coming from a place of love. On the other hand, there's like this other aspect. It's like, I'm a yogi on this spiritual path. So yes, I think based on what I know about yogis, this is very egoic thought. <laughs> I need to give my apple to the other person because that's what a yogi would do. Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to give my apple to this person. So it's like you're giving it away as a strategy. That's ego. So it's like understanding. So for example, when I was in this place of fear, I was giving up dating sex relationships as a strategy so I could focus on self-love. So it's just all the time. It's like this, this vulnerability thing again. It's like, let me step out of my mind and let me truly allow myself the space to step into my heart and let my heart guide me. Because the heart guides in such a way that there's self-love, but that self-love is so powerful that it's just like it emits love all around you. And that's so beautiful. I think there's also a lot of courage in choosing to live with love. Yeah. And, like choosing mm. love first and saying that like, I'm going to believe that there is love rather than thinking that I need to do something, arrive somewhere first exactly. in order to deserve mm-hmm. the love and mm-hmm. assume that the love is here today. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because now that you said all of that, I was thinking like, there's all these quotes or not quotes, but like phrases about like success in mm-hmm. entrepreneurship. And they're like, Wear, wear the suit, you know, act mm-hmm. as if you were already the boss, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that it's already arrived. Yeah. Same thing with gratefulness, like it's already happened. That's how you can be grateful because right. gratitude comes from the past, right? And that just gave me so many new insights to those phrases because before I read it a certain way and now I'm like, oh, I get it. It's because you're there already, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's so beautiful because yeah, the love is here already. The love is here. It's all here. It's always been here. It's right inside. So then when you embody that, really, you'll never find that from grasping, from wanting. If you just allow yourself to listen, you'll realize that it's all there already. And then you start to embody it. And it's exactly like you said. It's, it's so beautiful. You embody it and you see that it's all around you and it's everywhere. Of course, it's going to come back to you a millionfold. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I want to ask you a quick question on just um, other other male friends um, that you have and relationships that you have mm-hmm. with them. What are their struggles with expressing vulnerability to mm-hmm. you um, that you've observed over over your time during this journey? And how have you been able to help them kind of interact with you? Yeah, so I think that claiming my own sovereignty, right? So really coming to acceptance of my own sovereignty, which really... To do, I needed to go within and figure out what that was from not a place of thought and ego, from a place in the heart. So having that strength to go deep within and then claiming that necessarily meant that like I was coming through from a place that was more authentic, that was my truth, that was my 
you know, my authenticity. And so then that expressed outwards. And as an example, this conversation, my friend from Zipolite could have very easily been, okay, chill, just go through the motions, follow the expectations. We would have done it. We would have given away these parts of ourselves that we didn't want to. And likely we wouldn't be still close friends. Like, you know, that energy exchange would have happened in a very, in a draining way, in a way that was like a lower frequency. However, you know, I, I really, I feel like the universe and I'm so thankful for this. Sometimes she just will be like, you're going to learn this lesson, dude. Like you're going to, you're going to fucking do this. And so I had that conversation. And like I said, I said, I, there's a part of me that so much wishes that we were like down in that pool being naked and making out. And, but we're not, and we're here and we've been given this opportunity. We've been given this invitation to be authentic. And by holding onto that within myself, by following that teaching of the heart, was that opportunity then for him. It opened up that container to move up into that higher frequency where it's like, I'm your mirror. Gosh, I feel the same way. And whether or not this other being felt the other way, it doesn't matter because it's like, I'm honoring him, him or her. I'm honoring, honoring myself by being authentic. You know, you honor yourself by being authentic, but so too do you honor the other person because necessarily by not being authentic, you're lying. And Astea, you know, I think it's Astea is one of the yoga uh, niyamas. Like, you know what I mean? Not, not cheating, not lying. So by being authentic yourself, you're being authentic to the other person. You're honoring them. And you're allowing them a container to go into their own authenticity, their own vulnerability. But also you, there's this idea of this like, like example. Like I think back to Toronto. Like this is where post, I mean, pre-awakening, being that life of traveling and drugs and sex. And, and, and it was just, it was that it was that lifestyle. It was that lifestyle of like, I've got the job and the place and the, and the boys. And, and I had a beautiful group of friends and this was, this was it. And I saw, I see so much of that within ourselves. We were so close. There was nothing that would separate us. We would travel together all over the world. We loved each other. The one place where there was always friction was boys competition you know, we loved each other so much, but on the other hand, and this is again where then society comes in and conditioning comes in and the current external environment, which is a lesson comes in. It's this expectation in this sort of community. And I think it's the straight, or the same, gay or straight. Like anything goes and sex is nothing and free love for everyone and yeah, yeah, yeah. But guess what? We are emotional beings and we're tied to love. And you can say whatever you want to say. I have seen the looks in my friend's eyes and I have felt this when I think we were on a vacation together and one of my friends met a being and they had a beautiful moment together. And then the very next day, one of our other friends, our best friends, met the same being and then they went and had a beautiful moment together. And I saw the look in my friend's eyes. Like, of course that hurts because you have a connection with someone and it's like, you know... Yeah, but it's not, you're not allowed to because it's all supposed to be okay and it's all open. And it's like, guess what? That's what it is. Look inside yourself. What is that feeling? You're allowed to feel that and it's okay. And so I think it's like by being this example of authenticity, but I mean, it's kind of strange. Like I'm this, you know, 30 something year old man who is being like, I'm choosing to just not have sex right now. And it's like, people are like, what the? 
are you crazy? Like, how is that? But then you know what ends up happening is that then they start to see this aliveness, this authenticity, this contentment, this this well-being, this 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 beautiful like it's like samarasa, this body of light that comes from that place of truth. And then you create that mirror where they're like can I look into this on my own? And it's never, I just don't believe that we have to respect our own journeys. We have to respect everyone else's. But many times the universe and the medicines, they work in this way where it's like just by embodying that frequency, by embodying that energy, you become a guiding light for those who are willing and ready to see it. Um, and I feel like that's so beautiful because to me that is the idea of abundance in helping yourself. So too do you help others and that's how our world will heal. You know, I'm being very dramatic, but I believe it to be true. You know, as you were saying that, I had this um, uh, new idea or understanding of feminine energy and, you know, how how sex, you know, for men is outward, you know, like your genitalia is outward, right? Whereas with women, it's inward. And with that, she has all of this power, you know, by holding it inward. And, you know, she chooses, you know, how to express that. And obviously society kind of, you know, mixed up that understanding of it and and made us reconsider where the power is at but like it's so powerful that you choose to be non-sexual like to know that like there is nothing that is going to convince me right now to like want to have sex with you because anything you say if you if you throw money at me if you throw status at me you throw your hot jeans at me like whatever it is right it's it's not going to to change my decision and and how strong and you know amazing is that it doesn't mean that i don't love you it doesn't mean that i don't have so much love for you in fact i probably have more love for you right now than i would have been able to have 3 years ago but i have also love for myself you know and i love you so much that i'm going to be authentic with you not going to lie to you because I'm not going to lie to myself. And I see you and I hear you. And I'm going to offer you this invitation to also love yourself. And through loving yourself, it's this beautiful, beautiful cycle of abundance. I want to wrap up with two questions for you. So what did you learn about yourself as you were talking in today's conversation that surprised you? That's a really good question. I think I what I experienced was almost a sense of validation. So like, I've, I've always been quite determined. You know, I'm um, a Leo sun with a Scorpio moon. So it's like, ah. And so as much fire and determination as ambition, as my ego tried so powerfully to like protect me in this way that it knew how, the best way that it knew how by creating boxes and boundaries and baby proofing the room. Breaking through that has meant that all of these traits, this, this, this determination, this confidence, this energy, this like, it's just kind of like, it's still there, but now it's turned inwards. And it's like, really, instead of focusing on the self, like the being and like protecting this shell, it's like, all that determination has come inwards. And it's like, we're going to use all of that fire to make sure that we have created this beautiful place of authenticity that's not going to like close us in, but that it's going to like burst outward so strongly that instead of putting ourselves in a cage, we're going to burn so brightly in this fire of truth and vulnerability and authenticity that it's like anyone who comes near you necessarily is going to have to meet you at that level. You're going to love yourself so 
fucking strongly that you love everyone else through that light and then they can't help but love you for you. And I, yeah, that's what I feel. That's what I kind of have learned. So, yeah. That is so beautiful. I love that. I'm also a Scorpio. And I was thinking about that fire energy and how fire is always thought as like untamed, you know, and you got to control it and that it's just so aggressive and fiery and all of these negative connotations. But fire can be so positive, you know, and like loving with all of that fire and all of that might like how amazing is that? Why does it always have to be in defense of something, you know? Or an attack of something. Why can't it literally just be in love of something? And that's really, really cool. Um, My last question to you is, are there any topics or types of men that you would like to invite um, to see in another episode on the show? Ooh. um, Any other types of men that I'd like to invite and see? You know what? I find so beautiful and so interesting and so alive nowadays is I'm gonna like sound so old when I say this the younger generations who are growing up now in the age of Aquarius so in this age of truth and knowledge because I'm so intrigued and so in love with the beings in our world right now where it's like even the idea of men like gender like it's just fluidity organicness just a sense of being that is so beautiful so to see their perspectives and also whether they're facing the same lessons or struggles or what are their lessons and struggles i think would be super interesting okay challenge accepted let's get the new generation of men to come forward with their perspective on self-love dating, sex, and relationships. If this is you or you know of a young man that would be open to sharing, slide into my DMs at Miss Amanda Chen on Instagram. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and I'll see you next Wednesday with more episodes of The 100 Masked Men.